when this popped up i was really excited and that is a meat box this is a family show fits welcome to the rc roundtable podcast where we discuss the latest rc hobby news events model reviews and a whole lot more this episode is sponsored by Incline and their new 3.5D printer. It prints a half dimension better than the rest. Well, greetings, Earth creatures, and welcome back to another episode of the RC Roundtable. I'm Fitzwalker, and as usual, joining me is Lee Ray. Hey, guys. And Terry Dunn. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. How are you? Thank you. Fine as well. Thank you, sir. We've got a newsflash. Freewing has produced yet another jet. And are you guys excited about it? I know one of us is. <laughs> yes. He's so excited enough for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so so they teased us well, yesterday or the day before and said, hey, we've got something new coming out. Oh, and here's some gun camera footage. And we're like, okay. Looks like some uh, Vietnam era gun camera footage. So people are speculating. Uh, it's got to be an F4. That or UFOs are coming to hunt us down. Uh, but the previous was right. It's a new F4 Phantom. This one's a big one. Not 80, but 90 mms. <laughs> mm. Mms, yes. It's got, it's got 10% more mms than the other jets. <laughs> so uh, it's a single motor 90 millimeter. Uh, it looks like they offer both uh, setups for a uh, 6S and an 8S, which uh, that got my interest. Yeah, I knew that when he saw that eight, that's when Fitz started drooling. Oh, I can put eight in there. Yeah. (laughs) Did you see there's another package that doesn't have the fan or speed control? So you can roll your own. Yeah, yes. In fact, I've done it before. I did that with their F14. I bought their, uh, I forgot what they call it, sort of a, uh, uh, kind of an ARF Plus, I think they call it. So it's got the servos and electronics box whatever and retracts but no motor or speed controller and so it allowed me to throw in some uh i use jet fans some really nice uh fans out of europe and my own motors that be an arf minus (laughs) good point marketing team didn't really go for that uh i don't think you want to say hey buy our arf minus that's probably not really good marketing (laughs) (laughs) buy our terrible version doesn't probably roll over very well uh (laughs) so (laughs) so anyways so uh, F4, everybody loves an F4. It's uh, everybody's favorite uh, fighter plane from Vietnam era. It served quite a bit, uh, basically up into the 90s, didn't it? it had first Gulf War used them. It had a really long service record, if not a little bit uh, controversial in the, in the beginning, since somebody thought it was a good idea not to put a gun in it. But other than that, uh, uh, also, I've, I've had a ch- chance to talk to two different people who've flown those in real life. So they're interesting. To, I heard lots of interesting stories about flying them. But enough of me jabbing around. What do you guys think? Lee, this is your baby. <laughs> it's no, my baby. No, Lee has no, no opinions on it. I, I, <laughs> all I can, all I, well, all I wanted to say was I am excited about it. I think an F4 is a great kit. That being said, I mean, I, here's, I mean, my head's running with ideas and thoughts since the announcement. <clears throat> I have seen a couple of F4, let's say, foamies. Uh, ARF kits that have not done well in the market. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think one of them was Pilot. Does that sound right, guys? Maybe a Hobby King F4 that came out? 
ducted fan no, or hobby team, excuse me hobby lobby hobby lobby had a an f4 oh right yeah i think uh, so hobby, no, hobby it's a little bit smaller well there's been quite it's a few of them yeah. Well, and, and I just, my comment is, for those who have purchased the F4 ARF kit, smaller one, I have not heard good things. I have not, they've said they've been unstable, they're difficult to fly. That's my experience talking with people who have bought a ready-made F4. This one is obviously much bigger. Uh, I think Evelyn in the photo is holding it like when you do with a bass. You put it way in front of the camera so it looks way bigger than it really is. I mean, it's a 40-inch wingspan, is that what I got? Yes, yep. <clears throat> But if you watch the video, it looks humongous. I mean, well, it looks... Well, for 40 inches for EDF, is actually a pretty good size. I un- I understand that. I mean, but <laughs> compared to like all the other bigger planes I have, you know, like I've got a Pilatus Porter that's bigger than that. <laughs> as far well, as the yes. Wingspan. <laughs> I bet the F4 is longer. <laughs> yeah, I bet, yeah. What is it? Uh, 60-something? 61 inches, yeah. And your, pl- uh, and your place Porter is not designed to fly at Mach 2. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've I've gotten off my comment here. I, I my point was I was always concerned about getting one. I've always thought about getting one. Since I was a kid, I had a plastic model of the F4. It was probably the uh, longest lasting plastic model kit I ever had as a kid. Because <laughs> I'm sure, like some of you, you probably got into little battles, <laughs> air battles with your plane, try to try to make it fly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. my F4 lasted longer. I really liked that kit. So I've always had a place in my heart for an F4 Phantom, and uh, when I saw some for sale, I thought about getting one, but I didn't because, again, those negative comments. But once I saw this announcement, and I knew it was most likely going to be a big plane, didn't realize it was going to be 90. And then watching the video, I mean, did not video, did y'all watch the video? Did y'all both see it this morning? Yeah, I watched it. I mean, did that music and this, the footage just not want you to get your wallet? I was like slowly reaching in my back pocket and just going, do I have enough money on this card? <laughs> Subconsciously. <laughs> was was there an odd frame every once in a while that said, buy me? <laughs> I, I bet if you just slow it down, like the Zerbruder film. <laughs> uh, oh, it looks, it looks great. It sounded great, too. And this the detail on it. I mean, uh, it, it looked great. I, first off, I, I posted it right away on our page as soon as they made the announcement i did attempt <laughs> to, to get some inside information from tony i did message him last night because i knew it would be announced today and i was just hoping we could find out for sure before this recording yeah tony uh, said tony accurso the uh motion test pilot who we've had on the show in previous episode yeah his daughter's the one holding the uh the jet in the photo but you know he did say just wait <laughs> so he was being good <laughs> bless his heart and uh was he blinking his be- eyes in Morse code or something <laughs> you know what maybe i need to go look at the email and see if every first letter says f4 Vanham. <laughs> 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 uh but it's it's neat it's 500 bucks uh but i made the joke and it hap- it's happening right now while i talk to you guys i'm i'm looking at the page and every again 510 Every 30 seconds, I see a little window pop up. It says, someone just pre-ordered the Freewing F4 Phantom. <laughs> you know, someone from, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada. Someone from, it's, it, you know, they're, they're selling. And I I bet they're awesome. So, I'm I'm excited about this plane. So, Well, you mentioned the, the flight video. And it's actually some, uh, Tony, I believe, was flying one I saw. And he did some really nice, it looked like a really nice flying plane. He was really jerking around and yanking and banking it. And it had decent speeds, really good maneuverability. It had a great sound, too. It sounded a lot. Very, very nice sound with, a, I think it's got a 12-blade fan. So I think it'll be really popular. Trilling Link retracts. Uh, now, so grass users will be happy. Yeah, they say that this is uh, capable on grass, just like their E10. 
the one thing I liked on this video, and maybe I haven't seen a lot of the other videos or the other crap, but I liked how they had the on-camera footage. It was really neat. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm that, sorry, onboard here. When I watched the onboard footage, I noticed that it appears to have scale size ailerons, and they have huge deflection. Yes. Yeah, the two things, it, it, the ailerons are somewhat inboard. They're not on the outboard. I think the real one is like that as well. Yeah. yeah. So you have to compensate with really large deflections to compensate that. Plus, they're, they're, they share the flaps, kind of. They're split, right? It, it looks like the flaps are separate, but I don't know for sure. Well, yeah, they're separate, but they're sort of really close to each other. Is what, what uh, I mean. Yeah. Hey, by the way, someone just ordered the F4 Phantom, just like while we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> we should L-H. keep it count. <laughs> now, the real F4 may have had tailorons. Mm, I was just wondering that. I don't know. I don't know if they did it that early or not. Hmm. Well, yeah. I put my friend Wally's name on the announcement on our page. Because I believe his father flew F4 Phantoms. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, and he's got, I remember, I think last year, a friend of his built a plastic model F4 Phantom in the exact scheme of his father's. Oh, and and it was really neat. So I'll have to look, go back in, in the history and maybe share that. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing Wally's comments on this. I, I mean, he just picked up the darn B24s. He actually ordered two. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> I know he got one for a friend, and, but so he and we actually saw them last night. Those huge, uh, uh, it was Flightline RC uh, B twenty fours. Yeah, but I, I can't, I'm I'm imagining right now that he, I'm going to see his name appear. Someone from Houston, Texas, just ordered the Phantom two. Wait, someone from Houston just ordered three, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, he this is this is a neat airplane, and I I don't know what what kind of extra features do you think you'd like to see? I was kind of hoping there was a time when the Onboard camera was looking at the drop tank. <laughs> I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they came off? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well, a couple things uh, that caught my interest is apparently there's a removable uh, customization. I guess you can make a C or D model with a, a chin pod that comes off, by, I guess, magnet, uh, held oh, on right. by magnets. Mm-hmm. Also, they're also saying that they have 3D printed upgrade parts that will be available for download. And they mentioned the ejection seats and cockpit instrumentation panel. So it looks like they continue what they started with the B-24. Someone just ordered a free-wing F-4 Phantom too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that all day. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject something real quick. Uh, we had a, a discussion, I think, on uh, Bamaba, <laughs> Balsa Modelers <laughs> Forum. Uh, you know, someone complaining about all the, the foam models coming out. And I see both sides because I am, I've been in both sides. I'm, in fact, I'm building a balsa kit from pretty much scratch. And I have those skills. And I do think that those building skills are lacking. But when I started looking at this kit, what, what came to me, which I think is the defense for the foam industry, is this is incredible to look at. And for those who, like myself, used to build plastic models, I couldn't just take a piece of plastic and make it look like a plane. I had to have something that was pre-made to do that. This feels like building a plastic model with all the panel lines, with all the cool paint scheme, and being able to fly it like I used to when I was a kid, flying around the room with the one I made. And that's what I think appeals. I Yes, we still need to help people build, learn to take stuff and put it together. But this kind of aircraft, this just makes things so much more real for those who want to pilot an F-4. And silence. <laughs> well, I'm trying to absorb that. Sorry, I was grabbing for a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I... Well, right, so, 
Well, rewind just a little bit. Um, what's the gist of your statement that foam and balsa well, can I, live I, together I, in harmony? Gonna... <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> Dogs and cats living together. What was the play we were talking about? Someone had a foam plane. There's like, there no balsa in that. And someone said, said, well, just stick a piece of, you know, <laughs> triangle brace somewhere in there. <laughs> and now it's balsa. <laughs> no, I, I, this, I know this is off topic a little bit, but I just in the past week or two, I've, I've seen someone complaining. In fact, it, it happened with the cover of Model Aviation with the B-24 that's on the cover. And the guy was very upset that our industry has turned into foam and just, you know, people just... Uh, you know, buying stuff that's already made. They have no idea how to make or build things or the under. And it's like, I, I see your complaint. I mean, you're, this guy's an older gentleman who's built for a long time. And I don't see a problem with showing that. But I looked to, for, for some reason, when I was staring at this F4 today and looking at all the pictures, I was like, man, I could never build something that nice. And the fact that I can pay for something and, and just be at the controls of, like, again, bringing my youth to really actually flying it versus just holding it and running into the walls. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, the, the technology, the, the the ability to build something, this really cool. And I'm sure those those who are familiar with the F4 Phantom are going to have issues like, well, that line's wrong or this is wrong. And this, you know, okay, you might do that. But that is just a really neat looking airplane. And I say the same thing about my Tiger Cat. I mean, what a great looking airplane that I have. You know, all the panel lines, all, it's it's really neat to, to be at the controls of that. I know it's not true building but it is it is great to have this in our industry <laughs> there was a yeah. just a harp on that i saw something in one of the forums uh somebody had posted an article from sometime in the 1950s i think it was the late 50s and it was somebody complaining that plastic models were going to ruin the hobby because nobody would build wood you know, solid wood models anymore. You know, all these plastic models. You mean all those cock view controls are going to ruin the industry? <laughs> they were right. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, this is where the market is. I'm sure companies would love to sell you a balsa wood airplane if they could. But yeah. people want to well, buy these foamies. And they are highly refined. And here's the and thing. And it, you know, Fitz, you just nailed it. The money. People are buying these planes. They're keeping the hobby going. And... Well, yeah, we're, we talked some about so many businesses that are having trouble or closing the doors, and here you've got Motion coming out with seemingly a new plane every week, and Flight Test is building their own version of Disneyland based on foam models. Yeah. So um, it's hard to argue with it's, that success. It's like we, we kind of forget these successes when we're so upset about the Hobbyco and, and like um, ESM, you know, unfortunately closing their doors, I guess. Or we don't know for sure, but all about how we go. But anyway, this is neat, and I, I I do like it. Can I afford the five hundred dollars? Uh, no, but am I interested? Oh please! Well, I only have it, one kidney it. left. <laughs> but when did you start this whole poor? Uh, when thing? I sort of looking at my checking account. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Take a, take a picture of your shop and all the I stuff in it. I am rich in the hobby. I am just not rich in the wallet. <laughs> it was never easy for me. I was born a poor black child. Poor, <laughs> poor balsa building. <laughs> no. Poor balsa building. All right, let's get, can we get back? This is a nice looking plane. I'd love to hear people's comments. Wally, if you're listening... Give me a call. Give me your notes. <laughs> you know, I, I almost, I'm almost certain Wally's going to have this plane in his uh, shop within the next few weeks. Mm. 
But it says mid-April. Or two. Mid-April, so. Or three. Uh, I will definitely uh, yeah. uh, go to his uh, workshop and, and see this sucker when it comes out of the box. All right. Well, let us know how it <laughs> smells and tastes. I'll post pictures. All right. Well, speaking of jets, I guess we're... If we're going to have one jet, we've got to have another jet. And so Lee was really excited about the F-4. When this popped up, I was really excited. And that is a meat box. In case you don't know what a meat box is, it's a Gloucester Meteor and a Dynamic. This is a family show, Fitz. <laughs> but chill. Take my wife, please. Well, Dynam has announced that they're coming out with a Gloucester Meteor, which is a, uh, basically a World War II twin-engined uh, jet as actually... Quite, quite, I don't know if I can say famous, but remarkable in that it was the only Allied jet to see service in World War II. Although, unfortunately, it never came across a 262, so we don't know how those two would, would tangle. But it was used to hunt down V-1 rockets and such. And, and so it was a pretty remarkable design when it came out. And it served post-war as well. And so when this popped up, I was quite surprised because I've always wanted one of these. And I had to consider building one from scratch out of balsa wood and stuff like that but now they announced it i don't have a date when it's coming out but it's a 1200 millimeter 50 inch couple of what 70 millimeter fans uh not quite sure on the price or anything about it yet it looks pretty decent there's a couple of nitpicks about it uh the rudder looks a little off there's like a gap in the back of the rudder that's kind of odd doesn't seem to be on a real one and somebody pointed out that the intakes for the engines, for the thrust tubes, seem to have a sharp edge, which is probably not a good idea. So we don't know if this is a final version or just a prototype, but it was painted up in silver and such. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to see a picture of it, uh, but uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. I looked at it. It seems almost cartoonish to me. <laughs> exactly! Yeah. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> now, the early jets are hard to model because most of them were axial flow jets yeah. and were small diameter. And so when it's just hard to do with an EDF because you need to push a lot of air. Yeah. So, yeah, my first thought is the EDFs here seemed way out of proportion. Yeah, it's probably something that, yeah, it, to get any good thrust out of an EDF, you need it probably larger than scale. If you had scale... Uh, engine's profiles it probably would barely get out of its own way. Yeah. For that size. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, of course, Dynam is not known to be the most scale of the companies, so they're sort of on a lower end of the EDF, so it's sort of, it's more for its uniqueness than any great scale accuracy. Right. So, what are these, twin 70s? Yeah. Okay. So, I think somebody could take it and make it a nice airplane, but I definitely get sort of a GWS, here's a meteor kind of thing feel. Yeah. It's meteor-ish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> meteor-ish. <laughs> somewhat meteor. Yeah. We've carved this block of foam to somewhat resemble a meteor. Now, now you do the rest. Uh, Am I being harsh? Probably. No, I know. You're being fair. I think it's reasonable. It's It's... Again, Dynam is not high class compared to, say, Freewing. Uh, again, like I said, it's just something I've never seen an ARF meteor ever, a foamy. So, it, well, have you seen other RC versions? There's some um, short kits and plans you can get for one, but I, uh, an electric one too. We're about the same size, if I remember correctly. I think they're twin seventies. Okay. 
Now, there's a trainer version of the Meteor that has kind of a second cockpit just glommed onto the nose. Yeah. You, you got to build one of those. There's a couple of that would ones. compensate for <laughs> for any awkwardness. Make it looks just make it more awkward looking. Yes, <laughs> they have one with a really long nose that's really really awkward looking. Yeah, they they just they, they found all new and inventive ways of beating it with an ugly stick. Yeah, a huge antenna that extends like you know twice the fuselage length out in front. <laughs> well, if you haven't seen the one I'm talking about, it's almost like that. <laughs> Okay, I haven't seen yeah, that. it's really goofy. That, that part in Alien where the thing's coming out of, yeah. <laughs> it's almost wow. like Wow. Listen to your picture. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm giving it more credit for actually producing something like this. I like to see interesting and, and rarely produced models. And so kudos for the, to them, at least for producing it, warts and all. Uh, hopefully, maybe another company will look at that and say, hey, we can do a lot better. Uh, but what, what do you think it'll go for? Good question. People, there's some UK site that's advertised something that translates to about 450 bucks, which seems Whoa. high. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know what the US price is. That was the UK, and who knows what kind of VAT taxes and whatever else they throw on top of it. So Man, I hope uh, that was pesos or something. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't charge VAT if you're shipping it out, right? Well, correct, correct. They won't charge VAT to foreigners, so. So I, who does Dynam in the state? Is that free, uh, Motion RC? Motion does that also. So it's possible they may pick it up, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of price tag they put on it. Oh. Well, one interesting thing I found out uh, when looking at this and researching it, apparently the real ones had a bad habit of falling out of the air. When you were coming in with the flaps down, you popped the air brakes open and lowered the landing gear. They just stop flying? <laughs> can, you, can you recreate that with this model? <laughs> supposedly... Flip, flip the switch and fly like the real one. Supposedly, the retracts were sequential. So one would come down and the other would come down. And that would cause asymmetrical drag. And it would cause the in, one inboard wing to stall prematurely. And usually just happened in a pattern or pretty close and it was unrecoverable. And so it apparently killed quite a few pilots, unfortunately. Ooh. Until they figure out what was going on. Can you master the Gloucester Meteor? <laughs> <laughs> Here's yeah. your attempt. Yeah. Well, so not quite as glamorous as the F4, but that's still pretty neat. And uh, I, I could see uh, having one just for the the uniqueness of it. But yeah, I agree. It was cheap enough. Our buddies over at Progrenaline have given us word that they are closing up shop, at least in the U.S. Um, so that's bad news. But the good news that comes out of that is they are having a sale on their software. Now, Fitz, I know you have used Progrenaline, right? Yes. And I've used their version 1 and 2. Pretty neat stuff for stabilizing action cam footage. And... Now, the version that's on sale is Mercalli, which I, I don't want to speak out of turn here. I think it involves a lot of elements of Prodrenaline in terms of the fisheye correction and stabilization type stuff. But the bottom line is this software that usually sells for 250 is being sold for 30 bucks right now. Yeah, that's a so, deep, deep, deep discount. Yeah, so get it while it's hot. And I think this only lasts for a few more days, and we can post the link that you need for that on the website and on Facebook. 
Now, when I went to the website, it still showed the original price, but when I added it to the cart, it showed the sale price. Mm. So, yeah, it's really good software. If you got a GoPro on a hat kind of thing or something, or action footage that's got uh, the jellies or wobbles or anything like that, this is really good for cleaning all that stuff up. So, uh, it's highly recommended if you do some video work or if you're an aspiring YouTuber or something like that. Yeah, I used it most recently when I shot some onboard video with my Runcam 2 mounted to an RC car. I took it to the local indoor track and ran it around a few laps. And when I watched it, it was pretty much you know, unsalvageable. It was so shaky. And then I ran it through Prodrenaline, and yeah. I mean, it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't cure everything, but it does a pretty darn good job of smoothing out most of it. So, yeah, I'll continue to use it. Lee, have you ever tried this stuff? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. <laughs> you might want to give it a try. I might. Yeah, I mean, for, might. The, for 30 bucks, right? Yeah. yeah. For that price? Do you shoot much onboard video? No, I haven't. Once you do, you'll never go back. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, if, if this goes away, what's the other solution? Uh, there are some other programs out there. I'm not exactly sure what they all are. I think Apple has something built into their OS that does something similar, but I've never used it. Yeah. And some of the video editing software will have some form of that as well, but nowhere near as refined as the ProJournaline stuff. Yeah, ProJournaline is the only one I've ever used, so I can't really compare it to anything else. All I know is this stuff works pretty spiffily. Mm. Spiffily. I'm going to look that I up. I just made that up. You like yeah. it? Uh, spiffily. All right. Yeah. The definition was apparent, I think. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we'll take a break and we'll be right back. So we had another winner of a drone pilot who decided he wanted to compete for the Darwin Award and decided to fly his drone right above an airliner coming into land. And when I say he wanted to fly a, his drone close to an airliner, I mean, let's see if I can bounce it off the tail and get a video of it practically. And then, oh, then the next thing he said, oh, you know, be even better idea? i post it online. So he posts his video of a very clearly... A large airliner passing below him very, very close because you know these things have cameras that are terrible and usually wide angle. And so now um, this is why we can't have nice things. It's, it's apparently the video has been confirmed to be real. Is it? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, the FAA, okay. I, I saw an article, FAA is investigating it. People have said, yeah, here is the GPS coordinates where it looks like it took off. Here's Google view of, of that matches his image when he took off the video image so it's there's no indication that this is fake this looks to be completely real okay the first few days it was out there was some you know, i guess some argument over whether it was real or fake now it looks like uh people found that the, the takeoff point is indeed in the approach 200 runways at the las vegas airport and okay. things seem to match up and queue up they don't know who did it yet oh i thought that part was uh, clear at first 
don't know. The, the argument that I heard was that whatever YouTube account this went up on, it was posted as saying, not me flying, this is a friend, mm. but then... Uh, the actual pilot was soon identified. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that part. I research I did didn't say, show that. It's likely. And I don't know who that person is, but apparently uh, someone who's already known in the FPV community. I, I just find it unbelievable that anybody still does not know that it's a bad idea to do that. Not only just in theory, but because of all the press and news. After somebody hit a helicopter in New York and such, I just I never underestimate the power of human stupidity, I guess. Yeah, um, I think the the truly dumb thing was that they thought it'd be a good idea to share it and not yeah. expect that that you know the the weight of the world was going to come crushing down on them. And it sounds like everybody's fed up with it, and everything that I've seen about it says we want this guy to go to jail. He doesn't represent us. Don't let this doofus ruin the hobby for everybody. So. I haven't seen anyone in support of him saying, ah, he was just fooling around. He's just a kid. None of that. The people want blood. That's good. I'm good to hear that. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, he's a candidate for the Darwin Award. Does that apply if it's not threatening their own life? They're uh, endangering the lives of others. That's some other reward. Oh. Yeah. He just needs a reward behind some metal bars. Yeah. And three meals a day and you know whatever else they can do i it's it's sad that <laughs> there are other crimes committed that deserve more you know punishment and but this is this is what's killing our hobby i mean if this is real and you know and the media has been eating it up i've been seeing people posted on several news stations and it's sad that you know we still have these idiots out there and the, the fact that it came out on youtube that made it even worse like what the hell were you thinking they weren't. Well, <laughs> just so all this, they were thinking the same thing as a guy who went over to Japan and thought it was a good idea to, to photograph dead bodies and laugh about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be clear. The, the truly dumb part of this was the flying act. I mean, that was the thing that introduced danger to presumably hundreds of people or at least 100 people on board that airplane. Um, but the when they had the opportunity to lay low and keep it quiet they they chose not to yeah <sighs> kids these days kids life in the 21st century oh well so i think we should follow this and find out you know i think sooner or later the faa's got to make an example of somebody there have been precious few times that they've actually gone after people who have been dumb so maybe now that they've got the support of actual hobbyists behind them they'll they'll do something and make an example of this guy agree we'll see yeah i hope so yeah. all right let's discuss something that's far more upbeat and entertaining such as curling curling the olympics starts soon it's already started oh when did that start yesterday oh no kidding <laughs> i'm off the grid <laughs> yeah, apparently North Koreans and South Koreans are living together again, too. What? Yeah, they've, from what I understand, they're co collaborating during the Olympics. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, they're they're all in the same area, I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't, I don't not, follow those sport like, things. They just stopped throwing rocks at each other for a little while. Yeah, basically. 
Uh, all right, Lee, take it away. <laughs> we had a request from a listener to talk about uh, amphibious aircraft. <laughs> that's that's the proper term, amphibious aircraft, which is a a, a com- combination of seaplanes and uh, float planes. Is it? I would think amphibious means it can take off of water or land yes. by whatever means. Yeah, a float plane wouldn't be amphibious because it can only take off from water. That is incorrect. Unless it has wheels, too. Unless it had wheels. So, If it eh. doesn't have wheels, it's not amphibious. Well, that's right. But if it has floats with wheels, it does. So you cannot. You don't call a float plane that has wheels something different. You still call it a float plane. We're having an argument about this. <laughs> Well, I, I want you to clarify because that it doesn't jibe with my classical definition of amphibious airplanes. Okay. So, what do you what do you call? I'm backing up. Airplane? I'm backing up. Actually, amphibious airplanes are airplanes that can both swim underwater and walk on land. Right. <laughs> Over centuries, they've developed yes legs. They developed <laughs> legs, and now they're sentient. We had a listener ask us about float planes. <laughs> <laughs> And y'all don't need to know what else we talked about. Let's just say a listener asked about float planes or or seaplanes. Uh, we were corrected by uh, Keith to make sure we understood the difference. A float plane uh, is a, a plane that has pontoons on it. A seaplane is actually one that actually sits in the water. Would y'all like to correct me on that? No, no. I, that sounds 100% correct. <laughs> Woo! Yay! Who am I to correct I passed, you? I passed that test. And we won't even talk about amphibious aircraft, so... Uh, <laughs> And, and basically wanted to know uh, if we had experience or what our thoughts were. And uh, I kind of raised my hand just because I have four of them. I have a seaplane. Actually, I have five now. I have two seaplanes. I have the PBY Catalina, which has been in my pool. <laughs> so I know it floats. But I've never I've never <laughs> taken it off on water because if... If anybody has seen the video, I have a really cool uh, video of me flying it at best, doing some touch and goes in the grass because I uh, fiberglassed the the bottom center section and it's super slick and it was great. It was, I had a great time flying that. Does and, it count if the grass is wet? Um, hey, that is a great question. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to look that up. I mean, what? How much? How much moisture do you have to have <laughs> to clarify it as a as a seaplane? Um, it was the grass was weedy, I guess. Um, and then I have uh, Austin's Cuda, uh, which is a seaplane, but we same thing. It's just uh, hand tossed and on the grass. And then I have my first my first float plane ever. When I kind of got back in this hobby really strong with electrics was a slow stick. And G, uh, GWS had floats for it. And this was my first attempt. We had a pond across the street. Uh, I put floats on it. And the key item here for me was the CG was very important. And not only that, but if you know a slow stick and how long the gear is on that sucker, your CG, not just um, forward and back, is an issue because of where you put the pontoons. But because my center of gravity is so high, that thing just loved to topple. So every time I went out there flying, I had a fishing rod with me. <laughs> and the good news is I've only had to go underwater twice. So it's it's actually does pretty well. You don't want to do it on a windy day. Uh, but that was fun. I mean, I, I love doing touch and goes. Uh, so that was my first experience. I have a de Havilland Beaver, uh, the Fly Zone de Havilland Beaver with floats. But I haven't used those yet. I, I started flying it on, with wheels. And then I recently acquired floats for my CZ Cub that I picked up from... Dave Graben's estate, and they're they're actually in pretty good shape. I can't wait to. I mean, I've already uh, 
uh, hooked up all the uh, the wiring and the servos, so it's ready to go. And I think in June our club is going to have a a float fly. So is there water at your field? Yes, we have a pond at our field. Oh well, what are you waiting for? You got all these float planes that have never seen the water. They don't have to. They have got nice soft grass. <laughs> water soft. <laughs> it's, it is soft, and I haven't. No, you're right. I haven't. So that that being said, Terry, I know you have experience with a seaplane. That's the one you built yourself, correct? Um, sort of. I've had a few float planes and seaplanes. The seaplanes. The only positive experience I've had is when I did the modification that Sparky makes for the Twin Star Two. And when I say positive experience, I mean it was sort of positive. I used that over in Clear Lake, and the water is brackish there. And I got a little bit of that quasi-salt water in the electronics, and they did not like it at all. So that lasted a few flights. But the Twin Star is a great seaplane. I mean, it's almost a seaplane out of the box. And then once you add the few plastic pieces from that conversion kit, it's really neat, especially with differential thrust. Oh, and, and that's also, a great point to talk about if you want to mention that. Uh, you know, if you have a, a seaplane or, or a float plane and you're having issues with rudders, definitely a, a twin, like a PBY with differential thrust, makes it a lot easier to, to navigate those waters. Did you put differential thrust on yours? On my PBY? Yeah. I, I haven't yet. I did program it once just to play with it. I don't need it for what I've been doing. It flies great, just, you know, touch and goes with the grass. But once I am set to put it in the water, I will definitely put in differential thrust. Okay. So my other seaplane was an EDF that I designed. And I think we might have mentioned it before in our episode about worst airplanes ever. So it was not a success. It did fly a couple times, but its behavior on the water was horrible. And I learned a lot about flying boat hull design with that model. And um, I haven't attempted another one since. But I have put several planes on floats. I put a T-28 on the E-Flight floats. It did really well. Um, I've done a slow stick on floats. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. I can't wait to hear Fitz's experience. And then we can talk about strategies. <laughs> uh, a couple of interesting experiences. Uh, first of all, like you, Terry, I also have a Twin Star, Twin Star 2, I believe, with Keith Sparks at Parkfire Plastics, his float conversion. Uh, which is really nice in, in a way. However, my first experience was not good, and it was t- entirely my fault. Uh, if you have a twin star, you know that there's a little cooling inlet in the nose. You made a water intake. I made a water intake. <laughs> I completely forgot to plug that water that cooling hole, and so I stuck the thing on the water. We had a float fly actually some couple years ago or so here, and so I stuck it in the water, or rather, float sink. Well, no, no, it didn't sink. I just it taxied out a little bit. And as soon as I started the takeoff run, it just engulfed a whole bunch of water. And being, like you said, brackish, which is very good at conducting electricity, it completely fried all the speed controllers and stuff inside the, the thing. So it lasted about 10 seconds. Smoke started coming out. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't pretty. Did you have a retrieval boat? Uh, did we have a retrieval? I don't remember. It wasn't far offshore, so I think I was able to grab it. I was in the process of taxiing out at the time, so I went to a high-speed taxi, and it just fizzled out, and that was it. So I ended up having to fly somebody else's float plane a little bit. They let me fly just a, some sort of trainer kind of thing with pontoons. 
But yeah, that's fine. But you reminded me of a story many, many, many moons ago. In the before- Can I interrupt real quick? Yeah. I just want everybody to know if you've been listening since the beginning, someone else just bought a Phantom Four. Just you know, all right, continue on, Fitz. I think twenty people have bought them since we did. At least it's a Phantom Four <laughs> countdown. Uh, you get a Phantom Four. You get. A... <laughs> oh gosh, where's mine? <laughs> the R from Star I'm the old. I'm the only one without a star under his seat. <laughs> <laughs> Except you, Lee. You don't get the Phantom Four. <laughs> all right, back to you, Fitz. You have a fun story to tell us. Yes, as I said, back in the before times, I used to have an old Kyosho RC plane. This is back when I basically didn't know how to fly or could barely fly. And I thought, well... last week? uh, (laughs) Is this the swap meet one you talked about before? No, no, no. This is different. This is a new story. You guys haven't heard this one. Uh, Okay. Where's the violin? So... So as a young lad in Connecticut, there weren't a whole lot of fields and stuff to fly with. And I had the great idea to say, you know what? If I took this plane and I made it into a float plane, I could go out to the lake where I have lots of room or large ponds. And I wouldn't even have to fly all that much. I could get up to speed, take off a little bit, kind of fly straight, get the field of controls and land again without having to do circuits, do anything fancy. It'd be really neat. So, <laughs> hey, you know, I was a kid. So I proceeded to whittle out some foam, foam, uh, foam floats for this uh, little 10 size plane I had and I just kind of eyeballed it and hacked it out and stuck them on added some extra wiring and bits and stuff to to keep them all in one together and stuff and I was really happy and I went out to the, the, the pond and started to taxi around and they were a complete failure <laughs> the thing <laughs> the thing just basically plowed through the water and you know and at some point tried to submerge itself it was just terrible they, had, they were completely useless. They never worked. And that is because I just did not know anything about float design. And we didn't have this great thing called the internet. And I, I guess I was too lazy to go to the library. Yeah, there's definitely a science to designing and implementing floats. Yes. And or holes. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. I hope we'll start discussing yeah. some of the rules of thumbs of float design. Let's. All right. I don't know if you guys did. I pulled up some some data uh, on, on pontoons, floats, and stuff. And it's some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, it seems one of the key things is where you put the step and its relationship to the CG of the aircraft. Right. You want it just a little bit behind. Uh, yes. Yeah, you want it. Uh, they mentioned some, the one I, the, the information I found mentioned, I guess, in actual uh, units of measurement, but I think there's really a percentage uh, of that you really want to place it behind the CG, and not a whole lot, but just enough so that uh, you've, you've got the interactional forces there. And of course, they have some rules of thumbs about the length of the floats and and, and various other things. So it's actually pretty interesting, and not a whole lot of math or stuff to it. Just a few general basic rules of thumb. Is there a resource you can point to? That we can provide a link or something. Uh, I found one that said seaplanesupply.com. I don't know. What That's full scale? Or? I don't know. It was kind of, it was one, it just had a little fact, something I found in a search. Oh, okay. Uh, I actually kind of mixed together a few different things. I found a picture from one website and then some diagrams from another website. So I guess if you just do some searching on a search engine, you can find generally pretty quickly some rules of thumbs for model airplanes and stuff like that. Uh, they, they talk about the the incidents. Just they want a little bit of a positive right. incidence between the floats and the wings. Uh, the length should be roughly seventy five percent of the length of the fuselage, and a few other nits and 
details. Yeah, you can get uh, kind of deep into it when you start talking about a flat hole versus a V-hole and the chines and all that stuff. But I think for most people with most models, that stuff is probably just in the noise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one interesting thing I came across is they say, don't use a wood propeller. They said the water chews up a wood propeller pretty easily if it's uh, something close to the water. Uh, I always thought they were pre-finished where the water wouldn't get to them. Uh, I think it's just, it, it nicks them or oh. it, it just damages it. Not not waterlogged just by just a physical hitting of the water. Okay. So I thought, Lee, you've yeah. gone silent. I'm listening to Fitz. He's educating me. Yeah, you feel educated now? Uh, well, I, I haven't done... Uh, I mean, I haven't actually moved my floats on my slow stick since I did it. And that was, again, eight, ten years ago. So it just sits in my shop and every now and then I'll, I'll get it out and fly it. But I, I remember when I put them on, there was a probably in RC groups a thread about the positioning because you got to make sure when you rotate the tail of the uh, pontoons is at a certain position where you're not, you know, where it doesn't start shimmying, you know. So it, it was a lot of work to get that CG in the right position. And luckily, a lot of people had already done it, so I kind of mm. just followed along. But I, I'll tell you, for, for what I have done uh, with those floats the first time, I had success. Um, I was very happy on how well, unlike Fitz's first experience, <laughs> um, <clears throat> mine, mine went really well. And, and that's why I have no fear of trying the PBY out or, or stuff like that. But I, you know, I, I think the the thing is is this with a slow stick it's so high up I can imagine with other planes where you've got that that hesitancy for a float plane to to get that tip in and, and you know do like a ground loop you know if you got to be careful on that yeah. versus a seaplane which the, you know, the CG is a lot lower so um, probably a little easier but yeah it's it just depends now I I have a twin star that I have not done the water mod you know keys mod but I you guys have seen it I take it to best all the time I'm up and off that grass all the time she's very stable mm. you know so I bet that would be uh, fun to do I, you know maybe if I find another twin star kit I might do that uh, I recently picked up from our friend Richard a interesting kit it's a Canadair CL415 water bomber seaplane uh, it's all wood, so I have to build it and stuff. But it's really neat. I always like that, kind of like that plane, even though it looks like a flying aerodynamics experiment. But it'd make a really nice float plane, uh, a scale one, and I could maybe even put a water hopper in or something like that. So one of these years, I'll get around to building it, and I'll have yet another seaplane because I don't really don't have that many. I think that's the only one I have so far is the twin star conversion, and I think that's it. And I have a set of floats for maybe a cub or something somewhere, but I've never put them on anything. Uh, oh, <laughs> I saw, I came across a video some time ago, and it was free flight float planes from like, what? yeah, it was like from like the 50s or something, 50s or 60s, and these guys had these gas engine powered free flight planes, but they're on floats, and so they'd start them up, throw it in the water, and pray. <laughs> 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 that is that is a step. yeah. It is actually written yeah. down. <laughs> and it was it was hilarious because most of the time they didn't take off the water. They just could barely do anything. But every once in a while, one would actually take off and fly around in a circle, and then sort of do a controlled crash into the water. And, and, and I thought, man, that's really brave. And, and it's funny because they were doing it at like a dock, and just people all around and boats and things. Uh, so you know, keep your your eyes up when these things are flying around because you might get bonked in the forehead. But I thought that was. It's funny how things have changed from some decades ago. How we do things—it's it's pretty funny. Uh, 
at the neat fair last year uh, was there and you know they've got a pond on site there it's a little bit confined because it's got a lot of trees around and it's not a big place but there was a pretty sizable group of people flying over there and I went around and my buddy Thayer Syme had a Stevens Aero Sky Buggy on floats and it was neat because it has tricycle gear floats hmm. kind of these smallish floats on the main gear and then a, a little tail float and it actually turned with the rudder so you had some steering anyway uh that thing was fun i saw at least half a dozen people fly that model off the pond look neat it was nice and slow and graceful and there was yeah just all kinds of cool stuff yeah i found flag of water is really neat if you've Never done it before. You got to try it at least once. It's it, it takes a little bit of technique, but it's kind of neat to do touch and goes and kind of taxi around and fly around with your plane in a really goofy looking configuration. Start with uh, the, it. It was a start with a cheap plane. Yeah, borrow, start with cheap borrow plane. a friend. Don't care much about. <laughs> and find freshwater. Uh, yes, yeah, do it in freshwater. <laughs> That's like... And speaking of that, you can coat some of your electronics with um, something like Corrosion X. Mm. I remember putting that on my receiver and I think my speed control and that helps protect it from you know, any shorts and water intrusion. I don't know if you can use Corrosion X on servos. I don't see why you couldn't unless it eats up the plastic. Can. I believe you can. Okay. Be careful so that, about yeah, it. That's yeah. probably a good thing to do too. Or at least maybe pack some extra grease in there. The sooner or later, if water gets in there, it's going to cause corrosion on the board and a bad day. One nice thing about float flying is you usually have lots and lots of room for nice, uh, long and, and even approaches, and you have really a lot of freedom for flying around instead of trying to avoid trees all the time and that kind of stuff at certain fields. Not at neat. Well, yeah, not at neat, but <laughs> you know, some so, clubs have their their field is basically a cutout in the forest kind of thing. You know. Yeah. I think it would have been neat to fly over a scoby field when they were surrounded by water. <laughs> oh, I think yeah, guys yeah. were doing that. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, one of the yeah. club members had told me that they were over there flying float planes. But I also I want to add, besides like the corrosion protection and, and flying a cheap plane, uh, fishing rod. <laughs> or some yeah. sort of retrieval. Yeah. Yes, well, yes, yes. At a minimum, you fly on the downwind side, but that's, you know, that's marginal. Yeah, I mean, that always be practical. So what did you use, Lee? A fishing rod. Well, not just a fishing rod. Did you have like a tennis ball? Oh, they make those something? little uh, practice weights, little like yellow foam plastic weights or plastic weights. And you just have to get past it, let it sink, and okay. then pull it to you. You don't want to put like a half ounce sinker on there. <laughs> Clunk right into the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you learned that the second time. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, I want to thank our listener for giving a suggestion for the topic. I had to something we probably wouldn't have thought of uh, would be of interest. So uh, thanks again. And we always encourage other people to send us ideas and for things they may be of interest for us to talk about. We certainly would love to do it. Well, we reminisce, but did we really give any useful information? Yeah. There's float design, rules of thumbs. Go look it up. Okay. So yeah, that, yeah, that's the bottom line. Go use Google. Well, it's your friend. Google's your friend. There's there there are planes out there that are ready to go, like the Icon. I mean, we had a couple of guys at our field that fly the Icon, and they were having a great day. And I, mm. I have some really cool photos. So, you know, if you're interested in a plane like that, you know, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there of people already flying them. So just do your research. And But look, here's, here's, a, here's a good question for both of you guys. If someone said, hey, I don't have a float plane, I don't have anything to put floats on, but I want to go and buy a plane ready to, to float, which would you recommend? Which aircraft? 
I don't think I could because I've never bought a ready-to-fly plane that I can recall. Do you think a seaplane aircraft like a PBY would be a better purchase versus something like a Havilland Beaver or a Cub? Uh, In my experience, float planes are a little less stable than seaplanes. But I, I don't know. It's yeah, I guess it's personal preference. I probably would take a plane that I know that's a good flyer. Or I know that the general habits of it and stick some floats on it. Okay. Probably try with a high wing something or another as a start. Or a twin star yeah, conversion or something like that. That's why I did the T-28 and it took it well. Yeah. You can buy floats. There's all kinds of float kits for that you can adapt. Uh, oh, yeah. And use a water rudder. Unless you have like a yeah. twin, like a PBY, and then do differential. Well, yeah. Right, right. Anything other than a twin or multi-engine, use a water rudder because you're going to find pretty quickly it's going to just going to weather vane on you and you're going to be frustrated. Okay, well, here, here's one. I'm looking at uh, four aircraft right now on a website that has C slash float planes. There's a De Havilland Beaver. There's a PBY. There's a Dynam Seawind, uh, which I know other people manufacture a Seawind type aircraft, and then the Icon. Hmm. Icon, Seawind, oh. and Beaver are single-engine. PBY is dual. What was that uh, seaplane we saw at the swap meet in sea Georgetown? Wind. Was that a Seawind? That was a really nice-looking plane. The wingtips actually are the wingtip floats. They actually curve into the water. And oh, the Icon right, doesn't yeah. have them. Um, unlike like the PBY that has them drop down. Now, I will tell you, on my PBY, yeah. the actual wingtip floats are very fragile. So I've had one... It didn't break off. It just kind of, you know, the glue came loose. Um, so if you ever hit hard on that, I know it's going to just tear it right off. Um, but like I said, I haven't flown. The the beaver that I have flies great. Uh, I haven't put the floats on it yet, but I agree with what Thierry said. You know, they are they tend to topple. But the, the beaver does look to sit a little lower, though, than, say, something like the CZ Cub. The beaver probably turned out to be a really good plane to put on floats. Yeah, there's lots of them like that. Okay. Now, there's uh, a twin, and it's amphibiously, but there's a twin I've been wanting to model for a while, and I've just never really got around to it, called the Beriev BE-103. I'm going to find out really Thank you, Google. B-E-R-I-E-V. Is that what the engine's above the wings on that one? Yeah, it's got two engines on pylons behind the wings, um, but rather than outboard floats or sponsons, the, it's got kind of a gull wing. Yeah. And that lowest part of the gull wing stabilizes. Yeah, the pictures I'm looking at look like it's actually sinking <laughs> in the water. Yeah, I mean, it sits really, really low, low in the water. I yeah. think it's like a six-passenger thing. <laughs> but anyway, I just always thought it looked really neat, and it was uh, innovative, and that part of the wing actually stabilized it. So yeah. maybe one day. I'm assuming it uses some kind of you know ground effect, or in this case, water effect, <laughs> a little bit. now our friend uh tom blakeney he built a larger barrier model the be 200 yeah which is kind of an airliner float plane yeah that was a jet or ducted fan exactly yeah um i don't know if he's flown his off of the water but i've seen it fly off the grass and it's a pretty small model that he built but it looks good yeah it's very nice yeah but yeah if you can imagine a, a 737 with a hull that's what this thing's like. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good, neat thing about seaplanes is you can really find some really goofy and off-the-wall designs if you want to scratch-build one. 
Right, and you don't have to worry about the landing gear because you can almost always fly them off of grass too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's a very interesting airplane, Terry. Yeah, so that's on my someday list. But here's the thing: I'm looking at that. It just you know, help me here, Terry. It looks like you're gonna, if you're in brackish water, you're gonna have one hell of a time getting that water to get off the top of the wing. I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. really sitting in that water. Well, it works. Wow. I, I, I think you get up on plane first. So you get up on plane, and you're nowhere near having a submerged wing, and then you go For the next there. five minutes, we're going to work on getting on plane. <laughs> Have some peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be another failure, but uh, it looks like something uh, worthy of trying. Yeah, it was a try. I hope we hope we answer that guy's question. If not, we'll be waiting for all the comments and feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terry, I understand you're planning a field trip in the coming weeks. That is true. Now, last time we talked about the AMA Expo East, I was kind of on the fence about it, but I have now made plans to go. So, short of some cataclysmic weather, I will be at AMA Expo in... Secaucus, New Jersey, on Friday, what is that, the 23rd? Let me pull up my my Oshkosh calendar. Yeah, Friday, February 23rd. I'll get there in the afternoon, and then I should be there through closing Sunday afternoon. Oh, you stay there for a couple days, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Well, three days. That's nice. neat. Yeah. We expect a full report and some video uh, photo updates as you're there. Yeah, so I, I think the FAA is going to be there, so I'm going to volunteer in their booth um, taking fingerprints and stool samples for people who want to register. <laughs> Just kidding. I am actually going to be in the AMA booth for a little while, so if anybody's out there and they see me in the AMA booth... I'm going to send you our banner. you got to put it somewhere like or hang it over your head. <laughs> I just put it exactly. on a pole and walk around waving Hey, there's Terry! Yeah. Put a little flag on your hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first time you've been to the AMA Expo, right? Well, I think I can say it'll be the first time I've been to any expo. So mm-hmm. I've never been to Toledo or anything like that. Hmm. So yeah, this will be my first RC Expo experience. And I'm excited. Yeah. I think there'll be some cool stuff there. I hope so. Should be. Yeah, I think so. Hey, if you get a booth, it's only five hundred dollars. Can you get a RC RC round? Oh, that's all. Uh huh. <laughs> only five hundred. Sign autographs. <laughs> <laughs> but how much of a how far of a drive is that from where you are? Um, it's uh, Google tells me it's about six hours. So oh, that's not terrible. Plan- no, no, it's doable. So my plan is to get up early Friday morning and head out and you know get there around lunchtime. Hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. And there's a hotel right next to the place. And so, yeah, we'll see how it pans out. All right. Well, have fun. I'm going to. I'll try to take plenty of pictures. Hmm. So so is there any, anyway. besides, you know, you're helping out the AMA booth, is there any other uh, exhibitor that you're wanting to talk with or meet with? Um, nobody specifically in mind. I'm just going to go you know, get the lay of the land. Hey. And there's a swap shop there, too, that apparently is pretty big. Oh. So I think Fitz and I need to put a list together of things you need to look for for us. Yeah. <laughs> At the swap shop? Yeah. 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 Hey, they have so. a boat pond. Did you see that? Oh, an indoor boat pond? Yeah. No, I haven't looked. Yeah. yeah you gotta, That'd be neat. Got to bring your little 
Well, does it float? <laughs> your, your little screw type boat? What are they called? Uh, Twister? Oh, it does. Yeah. There you go. There Get you that go. sucker ready for the boat pond. <laughs> I don't know if they'd appreciate that. <laughs> it's not appreciate. It's wow them with your <laughs> cool aerial device. It's like a cake mixer. They don't want that on the pond with, with their sailboats. I, I bet you'd get a lot of comments and questions. Well, hopefully good good comments and good questions. Not, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> that's, that's a bad question. Right. <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> question mark, yeah. Hey, there's also a flying cage. <laughs> it's like a, it's not a paddle cage. <laughs> yeah. Right, for drones, probably. Most likely. Or Terry. Or Terry. Yeah, right. <laughs> they put him in a cage. Solitary confinement. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if anybody else has been to these events, I mean, I wonder if there are other events that we're just not aware of or that you need to prepare for yourself for. But I love the idea of you bringing the, is it the Twister, right? The Tyco Twister? It's terrain Twister. Terrain yeah. Twister. Yeah, do that for the boat pond. Find something. That's, <laughs> that's like the least hobby RC thing that I own. And you want me to take that? It's radio controlled, right? It is. Done. <laughs> you, you pass. <laughs> right. Well, I wasn't planning to actually participate in hobby activities. But guess what? But because you're talking to Terry, uh, to Fitz and I, we're making it happen for you. Okay. Thank you. We are now in control. <laughs> we have we have assumed control. We control the horse. Do not change your channel. <laughs> well, I'm going to go through all the list of other uh, vendors here. I mean, there's some. There's, some there's a list of vendors. Yeah, you are way more prepared for this than I am. You need to avoid uh, booth five fourteen and five sixteen. So just uh, <laughs> stay away. They're, they're going to have a line that Terry has to walk beyond. Oh, <laughs> I know what that is without even looking it up. Exactly. Just Terry, Terry is on this side of the line. Everybody else is, is allowed closer. We maintain a hundred foot separation. Is that HK? HK. Uh, there's probably a restraining order that I'm not aware of. Hey, but do go, go to ReadyMade RC. I want to see if they have some new cameras and gear. That'd be fun. Okay. Cool. So what website are you looking at? The AMA Expo. It actually is oh. amaexpo.com, Terry. Hey, that's intuitive. <laughs> and there's a list of vendors? Yeah. And the map. Huh. Hmm. You're good at these internets. <laughs> Where do you see that? list of exhibitors attractions <laughs> vendors east full list of exhibitors below floor plan there's an open there's an open booth at 413 you can put our rc roundtable banner and just put a sign that says we'll be back soon you know we'll put a little clock away for lunch <laughs> autographs at 2 p.m oh okay yeah i'm gonna have to look at this get myself prepared yep and I will report back to you fellas with all the news. All right. Sounds like a plan. Do you have something on your list, Fitz? Are you attending an event? Yeah, a couple of different things. Actually, tomorrow uh, there is some sort of elementary schools having some sort of Maker Faire event kind of thing. So I'll be taking out the Robo Doggy to show him around and let him strut his stuff and interact with the kids. Should be kind of fun with our... Uh, creator space people, maker space people, and show off all our goodies that we have. We have a table or something we're setting up. So, so after we, I record this, I'm gonna go downstairs and see if he still works. Uh, also, a couple of weeks, I think, I'm going to yet another plastic model show. This looks this time the uh, in San Antonio. They call it the Model Fiesta. I've actually never been to this event, so this will be the first time. I heard good things about it. 
Do you have to wear a sombrero? Uh, I think sombreros are optional. But okay, they they can rent sombreros. Yeah, I think I think at the door you can rent one. Yeah, the bigger the better, apparently. Right. Uh, so, but it's interesting you say that. Apparently, this event pulls a lot of people from Mexico. So they got a lot of modelers that come in from Mexico and show their stuff. And they usually they say there's some really good stuff that comes up. So it should be really interesting to get a, a mix, uh, international, more international mix of model modelers at uh, this event. This is just plastic models. Just plastic models, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I like I said, I like plastic models, and I have a couple that on my list I'm looking to get. So sometimes I find a deal or something. Uh, my name is Fitz, and I like plastic models. Yeah, well, actually, the last model show, yes, I do, uh, I picked up a little, a bat boat, I'm thinking about making it RC. A what boat? Bat boat from Batman. Bat one, boat. <laughs> yeah, okay. bat boat. In one of the movies, he had a bat boat, or a couple of different movies, but this one was sort of a normal, goofy-looking Batman boat. I thought, hey, it might be a nice little RC project, so just because it's plastic models doesn't mean it's only plastic models. So how does your hydrofoil coming along? Yeah, funny you mention that. I'm looking right at it. I haven't touched it in months, but I need to. So I'm trying to. I'm thinking how I can squeeze in some time to fix it up before the next boating event because I really like to get it running. I have pretty much all the parts. I think I, I bought a drive system and a motor. I might need a speed controller, uh, but everything else I think is more or less what I need. Uh, the goofy thing is setting up the drive shaft, but I, I found some bits and pieces. I think I have all the pieces, so I really need to get on it. I just haven't touched it. Oh. been so busy with eh, many other things. You spread yourself thin. I do. I told I told somebody that I need a vacation from myself. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. So hopefully I can get an update on the hydrofoil sometime in the near future. Lee, what's on your plate? Mine? No, yes. the other oh. Lee. <clears throat> the other Lee. Uh, well, I guess the next event that I'll be hopefully to help help out with is our swap meet for Northwest RC, Northwest Houston RC Club. Uh, that's February 24th. Are you going to try to make that, Fitz? Uh, yes, I have to. I have your money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you need to pick up your models. So how yes. much do I sell? <laughs> I guess I sell you the models back for a little bit of interest or storage fee, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. I plan on making it up there. Hopefully, I'm only getting the models and not coming home with yet another airplane or something. Yeah. It's, you know, it's also fun fly, so. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. Oh, so maybe I'll bring up the fly then. Yeah. Come, let's come out and do some flying over there. It's okay. uh, 9 to 3 on the 24th. It's $5 a carload. And we just have you know, free tables or bring your own. Lots of fun. It's, it's at your field this time, right? It's at our field. Okay, yeah. Because before you had it like in a hangar or something, I, I believe. We've had them in different places. We've had them at a community center up in uh, near Tomball. And then we had one at uh, Hooks in the B-17 mm. uh, hangar. That was freezing. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. But it must yes. have been like 25 degrees. Uh, it, was, it was pretty darn cold in that hangar. Uh, but <laughs> I was like, I know this is really off topic, but we had, um, where did we get our candy? It may have been left over from Halloween, but we had all this candy and Austin wanted to sell candy so he could buy himself an RC plane or a toy at the event. And it was great because he made like 25 bucks selling candy. Wow. I mean, wow. It was like people were just giving him like a dollar for one piece. And then he ended up <laughs> buying a little, uh, one of those Estes Proto 
uh, quads. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that worked out. I, I'm going to take up on that. I'm going to make some cookies. <laughs> was, he, was he selling M&M's by the piece? Uh, no, <laughs> no we, we just had a whole bunch of candy, but it's like people were just being very generous. So he, he lucked out, yeah. Yeah, that's good for him. Generous RC people? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Well, I never. <laughs> so is this a, a flying event also? No, it's just a fun fly. I mean, it's just, you know, kind of... Well, the, okay, the, the field is open. The field is open, yes. You're not setting up tables on the runway. <laughs> no. <laughs> Watch out! It is a fun fly, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Called the table can you, weave. Can you make it through this tent? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> I think people's eyes are starting to glaze over, so thanks, everybody, for uh, sticking with us for this episode. I thought you, hopefully, you found it both entertaining and informational. Guys, any last thoughts before we bug out? Nope. Happy flying if you can. All right, well, happy trails to you until we meet again. dum ba dee bum ba dee Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.